The Darkhives are a collection of the paranormal, the occult, the unusual, and the strange tales from all around this world and others. This podcast contains mature themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dark Ives podcast, and thank you for joining me for file number eight. Today, we will be discussing reincarnation. I'll get some into the history of the belief and actually what is said about it, but there's also a lot of creepy stories I've found online of people, especially children, remembering events that they should have no recollection of. Sometimes, even with enough specifics to pinpoint who exactly they used to be. But before we creep up on the topic of this episode, I would ask that you reach out to me on social media. You can find The Dark Ives on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok with username at the Dark Ives Cast. And you can also check out thedarkives.com where my episodes will also be posted. I have also placed timestamps for each section of this episode in the show description. Reincarnation is described by Wikipedia as the philosophical or religious concept that the non-physical essence of a living being begins a new life in a different physical form or body after biological death. Not to be confused with resurrection, which is somebody coming back to life after death in the same body. The beginning of the belief is impossible to know, but maybe even as far back as the Stone Age, when cavemen would often bury their dead in the fetal position leading some anthropologists to believe this could indicate a belief in reincarnation. Some of the earliest records we have are the pre-Socratic Greeks, and of course in traditional Indian philosophy. There is also reason to believe that reincarnation was included in the doctrine of the Druids, thanks to Julius Caesar. Actually, the Druids are a real group in ancient Celtic history. They were a high-ranking social class and allegedly mystics and witchcraft practitioners. A lot of their history remains unknown because they left no written records at all, but they were real. It was cool to have this tie-in with reincarnation because the druids were almost the topic for this week's episode. Some examples of notable historical people that believed in reincarnation are Benjamin Franklin, Henry Ford, Pythagoras, Mark Twain, Socrates, Plato, and Ralph Waldo Emerson. In Buddhism, they do not believe in a deity or a god at all so it is considered a non-theistic religion. They do, however, believe in reincarnation, and what you are reborn as depends on your actions in your previous life, or your karma. In Tibetan Buddhism, the highest religious official is the Dalai Lama. The current Dalai Lama, Tenzin Gyatso, is the 14th. The Dalai Lama holds a lifelong position, and it is believed that the first Dalai Lama has lived the life of every following Dalai Lama as he has been reincarnated into each one. When determining the next incarnation, the monks hold many rituals to discern who it is. The suspected children will go through a series of tests to determine whether he is or he isn't the next incarnation. In Hinduism, it is believed that everyone has an Atman, which is a piece of the creator god, Brahma, and is essentially the soul. In a similar karmic cycle to Buddhism, your Atman goes through a journey known as the cycle of samsara, which is the journey of the soul through its many lives until it reaches the end of the cycle, becoming enlightened, and is able to become one with Brahma again. 
This idea has been adopted by New Age spiritualists, the belief that you must reincarnate until you learn all the cosmic lessons you need to, then you can choose to continue living on Earth or move on to the afterlife, where you are with the source of everything, aka God. There's also quite a big conspiracy that reincarnation was a part of early Christian doctrine and that Jesus himself taught his disciples about it, but the Catholic Church removed it from the Bible along with other apocryphal texts. There is a lot of speculation about the unknown 18 years in Jesus' life, and there is some potential evidence that in that time he traveled to the Tibetan region. Past life regression is a method that uses hypnosis to recover what practitioners believe are memories of past lives or incarnations. In the field of hypnotherapy, there is supposedly a technique that can allow you to regress into your spiritual subconscious to remember previous lives that you've lived. It is important to note that many scientific experts state that this is fake, and it probably is. It's just too subjective, and what you may see or feel is more than likely just a delusion or just a side effect of a creative imagination or confirmation bias. If you believe in past lives, then you will create one. I doubt a lot of non-believers are going into past life regression sessions. However, dot dot dot, I did one just for fun. There's a guy named Brian Weiss who is a famous past life regression hypnotist, and he has multiple sessions online. There was a point in time where this was a small trend on TikTok when people were following along with the session and posting about their experience. The one I did was about 40 minutes long, I believe. And I will provide the link for it in the description if you're interested. If you've ever done a guided meditation, it's pretty much the same thing. I thought it was kind of interesting because what I saw, or what I thought I saw, was not like anything I expected. They say that an indication that you are reincarnated is if you have a big interest in a specific period of time. And all the historical settings I typically gravitated towards were nowhere to be found. I won't get into the story because I doubt anybody cares, but if you want to try it just for fun, click the link in the description and let me know what happens when you try it. One of the most interesting and well-documented cases of reincarnation is that of a woman named Dorothy Eady. Dorothy Eady was born in 1904 in London, England. When she was three years old, she had an accident while playing by the stairs and fell down them and appeared to be dead. She did eventually get up, and soon after, she began displaying strange behavior. She would routinely ask to be taken home, even if she was in the house she's always lived in, and she began speaking in a strange accent. This is a medical phenomenon called foreign accent syndrome, which could explain this. She would begin to show distaste in church and Christianity, and would often compare it to her old religion. Once on a trip to the British Museum, Edie was ecstatic when they walked into the Egyptian exhibit. She pointed out a photograph of an ancient temple and said, There is my home, but where are the trees? Where are the gardens? She ran around and began to kiss the feet of the statues in the exhibit and exclaimed that she was finally amongst her peoples. It's important to note that she is still at a very young age where she should have no real knowledge of ancient Egypt. And this was before television, of course. As she grew older, she began to study ancient Egypt and hieroglyphics at local libraries, and one night when she was 15, she claims to have been visited by the spirit of Pharaoh Seti I's mummy. She would spend much of her adolescent life in and out of sanatoriums due to her strange behavior and because she had a sleepwalking problem. 
Eventually, she took a job writing for an Egyptian public relations magazine where she drew political cartoons in support of Egypt. It was this time of her life where she met her future husband, an Egyptian student, and would move back to Egypt with him in 1931. When she first arrived there, she kissed the ground and announced that she had come home to stay. The couple stayed in Cairo and had a son named Seti. She was noted to have the ability to charm snakes, and she was told that such magic was found in ancient Egyptian culture. She reported experiencing apparitions and out-of-body experiences during this time. She would then begin to report nighttime visitations by an apparition of a pharaoh, and over the span of the year, the spirit told her the story of her previous life. The story took up around 70 pages of cursive hieroglyphic text that she used to record these meetings. She was writing what happened down in hieroglyphics. <laughs> the story was that of a young woman in ancient Egypt called Bentreshet, who had been reincarnated into Dorothy Eady. Bentreshet was described in this text as being of humble origin. Her mother was a vegetable seller and her father was a soldier during the reign of Seti I. When she was three, her mother died and she was placed in the temple of Qam el Sultan, where she was raised with the priestesses. When she was just 12 years old, she was offered to take the vows of the priestesses and she swore to remain a virgin forever. During the next two years, she learned her role in the annual drama of Osiris's Passion and Resurrection, a play that Dorothy Eady had played the goddess Isis in before she moved to London. Ben Treshet's role was one that virgin priestesses consecrated to the goddess Isis could only perform. One day, Seti I visited her and they fell in love. They began to have an affair, but everything changed when Ben Treshet became pregnant. Knowing her mistake, she told the high priest that she was with child, and she told him that the father was the pharaoh. The high priest informed her that the sin against Isis was so terrible that death would be the most likely penalty at trial. So, instead of facing public scrutiny and hurting the image of her lover, she committed suicide. Dorothy Eady separated from her husband in 1935 and moved her and her son to a location nearby the Great Pyramids. She worked for an archaeologist in the Egyptian Department of Antiquities and was supposedly a huge help to them due to her native English language. During this time, she worshipped the ancient gods. She prayed and made regular offerings to the gods and would often spend the night inside the Great Pyramid. Locals would gossip about her because they would see her make nightly offerings to the god Horus at the Great Sphinx. But she was also respected by the locals for not hiding her true faith in the ancient gods. But she was said to be very respectful to practitioners of other religions and would fast with the Muslims during Ramadan and also celebrate Christmas with the Christians. I quote, She saw a common thread joining all periods of Egyptian history, the Pharaonic, the Greco-Roman, the Christian, and the Islamic. This thread was denial, which animated people's lives on many levels. Dorothy Eady decided to move to Abydos, Egypt, when she was 52. She set up a home near a mountain which was considered to be the road to the afterlife. It was then she started to be called Am Seti, meaning Mother of Seti, which is a traditional Egyptian custom to refer to a mother by the name of her oldest child. She felt at home here. During one of her recurring visits to the temple, the chief inspector of the antiquities department decided to test her. 
He asked Dorothy to stand next to the wall paintings in a previously unopened part of the temple. She was then asked to identify the paintings by moving towards them when she was asked to. She correctly guessed every single one with what she remembered from her past life. This is when many people began to believe her story, and she was recognized as someone who was making a real impact on Egyptology at the time. She would often help the Egyptologist who asked her for aid, and in the Temple of Seti I, she helped to discover a garden where she claimed Ben Treshet first met the pharaoh. She explained how gods were worshipped by the people in the old days, and what the prayers and rituals were like. She knew the contents of many religious scrolls and texts before she ever read them, and many things she described were repeatedly confirmed by excavations. In the end, many people came to believe her after so much what she said had been confirmed. And even those who didn't believe her respected her role and dedication in the advancement in the field of Egyptology. Carl Sagan had said that she was a lively, intelligent, dedicated woman who made real contributions to Egyptology. This is true whether her belief in reincarnation is fact or fantasy. Dorothy Eady, or Amseti, died at the age of 77 in 1981 and is buried at the Coptic Cemetery. But who knows, she just might come back. James Leininger was born in 1998 in San Francisco, California, to Bruce and Andrea Leininger. The family moved to Dallas, Texas soon after, and then again to Louisiana. Between the ages of two and five, James began exhibiting strange behavior. When James was almost two years old, his dad brought him to an aviation museum in Dallas. There, he became transfixed by the sight of the World War II planes, and at the end of the visit, he had to be forced out. Around that same time, at a store they were passing, his mother noticed a toy box filled with plastic toys and boats. She pulled out a little propeller plane and handed it to James, adding, Look, there's even a bomb underneath it. He said, That's not a bomb, Mommy. That's a drop tank. (laughs) Shortly after turning two, James began to having nightmares, nearly every single night, in which he would scream and cry, Airplane crash, plane on fire, little man can't get out. When asked, James told his parents that he was the little man and that his plane had been shot by the Japanese. He also stated that his name had been James. He had flown a Corsair. He had flown from a boat he referred to as Natoma. James added that he had a friend, a fellow pilot named Jack Larson, and that he had been shot down near Iwo Jima. In play, James crashed his toy planes into furniture, breaking off the propellers. He also began expressing his memories in art obsessively drawing naval aerial battles between Americans and Japanese, in which planes were burning and crashing, bullets and bombs exploding all around. These were always World War II scenes, with propeller-driven aircraft, no jets or missiles. He named the American aircraft correctly as Wildcats and Corsairs, and referred to Japanese planes as Zeeks and Bettys, which was correct. And when getting in the car, he would often mime putting on pilot headgear. And once, during a visit to a local air show, he hopped in the cockpit of a plane and correctly put on the pilot's headgear. Being a Christian, James's father Bruce was uncomfortable with the idea of reincarnation and began to research his son's statements in hopes of proving his son was wrong, and this was all just a crazy coincidence. He did know that a Corsair was an American plane used at the time of the Second World War, but when he dug deeper, he learned that there was an aircraft carrier named USS Natoma Bay that served in the Pacific in World War II, 
taking part in Iwo Jima and that a pilot named Jack Larson was based on the ship. He then began to approach Natoma Bay veterans. An initial candidate for James's memories, Jack Larson, turned out, however, to have not been killed in action. Attention then shifted to James Houston Jr. of Pennsylvania, who had been killed near Iwo Jima, 21 years old, and whose life seemed to match James' comments. But Houston was shot down in an FM2 Wildcat, not a Corsair. And veterans stated that there weren't any Corsairs on the Natoma. However, a visit to Houston's sister Anne revealed a picture of her brother standing by a Corsair, confirming that he had flown one. Eyewitnesses who had seen the event said the plane was hit in the engine, which exploded in a fireball before it crashed, confirming James's account. Some other notable things that happened. At a reunion of the Natoma Bay pilots, James recognized one of them by his voice alone. Houston's sister Anne also confirmed other things James had said about his previous family, including some family drama. And after speaking with the little boy, she became convinced that he was the reincarnation of her brother. From his knowledge of facts, he should have never known about her family. And according to the Leiningers, James suffered a nightmare on the anniversaries of Houston's death. And he also said he remembered choosing the Leiningers as his parents before his birth. But James Leininger isn't the only child to make big claims like this. All over the internet, parents have told stories of strange things their young children are saying. Things having to do with them living other lives before, having other families, and being familiar with people and places they shouldn't be yet. Specifically children under the age of five. The amount of accounts I've seen like this is insane, and I've collected a few personal accounts from Reddit that I thought summed up the general idea. The first story comes from Reddit user u slash cutit. Not me, but a friend's little sister. The whole family was out for dinner at a restaurant in a skiing village, which they had recently bought a cottage near. My friend's little sister, as soon as they walked in, said, I know this place. My mother and I used to paint here. To which her mother replied, We've never been here before. What do you mean? She replied with, No. My mother from before. We used to paint here all the time. The family was obviously a little freaked out, but didn't think much of it as she was pretty young and they figured she was just messing around. Later on though, when talking to the waitress, the little girl again adamantly mentioned how she used to paint there, and then the waitress revealed that in fact, it used to be an art studio for many years in the 1900s, but had been converted sometime in the early 2000s into a restaurant. Needless to say, the entire table, waitress included, got goosebumps and were at a loss for words. The next story is from user Impius Operandi. My five-year-old daughter said to me, I was in your belly twice, mama. The first time I died before I came out, but I came back. I did lose my first pregnancy eight months before getting pregnant again. She was never told. I don't know what it was, but that's what happened. A pretty disturbing story from user SleepyBear1314 says, My middle son used to talk about having a different mom before me. He would say that she was blonde and looked nice, but wasn't nice. He would bring it up randomly and only ever got a bit emotional when he would tell me that when he was with her, he never got to grow up. He said he chose me to be his mom this time because I would let him grow up and get old. When he would say the last part, it was if he was looking for reassurance. He'd ask me like, right mom, I can grow up this time? from redditor u slash cupcakes. 
I fully believe in past lives. My parents told me that up until about age six, I used to have horrible recurring nightmares of being run over by a bus along a certain stretch of road near to where my grandparents lived. It was only in my teens that they told me this, that my great aunt was knocked down and killed by a bus, age six, along that stretch of road. I don't really have any of my own memories about it, apart from recurring dreams about that stretch of road that I still have. I don't get knocked down, but I always seem to be there. Another poster says, So I am raised Roman Catholic. My son is raised Roman Catholic. But I was dating this Muslim guy who would play prayers constantly that were on YouTube. This particular day, my boyfriend was playing a prayer that's supposed to protect you from jinn. Which, if you don't know, the jinn is basically demons or angels in Islamic belief. My three-year-old son looked up from his coloring book and said, Clear as day. Now they will be gone for 1,000 days. My boyfriend looked him dead in the eye and was like, how do you know that? My son smiled, shrugged, and continued to color. I don't know if this is true, but my boyfriend explained that if you recited that specific prayer, it was supposed to banish evil spirits for 1,000 days. To this day, I still get chills when I think about it. And on and on and on. There are a million of these creepy little instances online, and I tried to choose some of the spookier ones, but if you're interested, there are plenty of them to find. There's definitely something to reincarnation. It's way too many coincidences for me. And you mean to say that after all of these stories out there, there isn't one that has a shred of truth? I don't know. And that's the big question everybody's always had, so I guess we'll see. If you would like more content or to hear about future episodes, feel free to reach out to me on my TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram, username at the Dark Eyes Cast. Don't forget to click follow on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and to leave a review of my show. It helps grow the podcast and helps me connect with my listeners so I can continue to put out as much quality content as I can. Let me know what creepy things you'd like to hear covered, and if you have your own personal paranormal story, I'd love to hear that as well. That's all I have for you today. So until next time, cover your windows, lock your doors, and I'll see you on the other side.